0: You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Becca's season of The Bachelorette, and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve.
1: What's up everyone welcome to podcast number 69 i am your host reality steve good show for you this week we are finally moving on from re season and already beginning our look into becca's season which will begin filming tonight or tomorrow night uh we're recording this on a monday so you'll know by my twitter account today or tomorrow uh whether or not the season starts filming i, I believe it's tomorrow night but we'll see Anyway, uh, I've given you 10 of the guys that I posted uh, yesterday, so check those out if you'd like. 10 guys on Becca season. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast as it's becoming a huge help to the podcast with our advertiser. certainly helps with the rankings in the TV and film category, so you've been doing a good job on that. I really appreciate it, and uh, keep it up. Let's get to our guest. She is... A columnist for the LA Times. She recently completed a book that was released last week called "Bachelor Nation: Inside the World of America's Favorite Guilty Pleasure." It's Amy Kaufman. Amy, how are you?
0: Good. Steve's in the book.
1: Yes, I am. Pages two fifty-seven and two sixty. For anybody that's uh, counting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to that, just skip ahead forget. to yeah, and the book is two hundred sixty-five pages. So I'm I'm you saved the best for last. Basically, is what you did. Mm. <laughs> um, it's weird. It's weird because when I. When you talked to me about this book, this was, and it wasn't until I looked in the index, because you list everybody you talked to, when you talked to them, how you spoke to them, whether it was by email, by phone, by Skype, I didn't realize we had spoken in August of 16. I mean, you've wow. been working on this book for a long, long time. So yeah. before we get into that, tell everyone a little bit about your background and, and basically what inspired you to write this particular book?
0: Sure. Um, So yeah, like you said, I work at the LA Times. I write about like movies and actors and trends in the industry and stuff. um, And that does not include TV most of the time. Um, But I just have loved the show forever and, um, you know, covered it for the LA Times, um, like recapping it. And um, as a result of that, I got, you know, you know how it works. Like, people from bachelor nations sort of start like reaching out to you on Twitter. So like Robert Mills and Alan and all of them would, um, say hi. And, uh, I would meet them at like women tell all or get to interview Chris Harrison every now and again. And I wasn't good with them. And then suddenly one day I just, um, stopped getting invited to things and stopped being invited to conference calls. And when I'm, I asked like what was up with that, um, they told my editor that I was too negative in my coverage. And so I was sort of cut off and obviously I thought that was whack. (laughs) Um, And uh, I think you even like tweeted about it at the time, which was cool. And then like, I just kept watching it as a fan with my friends and inviting, you know, thirsty batch people over (laughs) to watch with us and grill them about the show. And that was really like where I was like, wow, they have some crazy stories. I mean, these people are generally pretty open. I wonder if I could get enough to talk to me for a book.
1: Well, there's one thing about that particular, uh, that women tell all appearance that we're going to get to uh, a little bit later on because it's actually a pretty interesting story. But, um, I mean, when you started out doing this, actually just in general, You kind of, something that I read about you is that you grew up on the East Coast, right? Boston area, correct?
0: Yeah, Boston. Okay.
1: So you grew up very much into celebrities and movies and whatnot. You had the pictures all over your wall and you did the, I want to move to LA one day and be famous. I want to be an actress. And you went to college at USC. You aspired to be an actress. And then you just didn't want to do that anymore. And you're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to cover them now instead of being one. Right.
0: Steve, your research is on point.
1: Yeah, I'm trying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah, that's that's true. So you
1: didn't. What what stopped you from being an actress? You just didn't like it. It was too much work or was just the whole L.A. grind of God, so many no's. And, you know, it's just it's not kind of it's not for everybody. Put it that way.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, living growing up on the East Coast, um, I think your idea of like what it actually takes to be an actress is maybe not so realistic And I went to USC and I was in the theater program there. And a lot, you know, I felt like a lot of the kids uh, in the program already wait. Sorry, Steve. Important update that I know you will be, I know you will care about. Just got a G chat that Ashley, I, and Kevin broke up. (laughs) (laughs) Literally,
1: you know what's funny? It's funny you say this um, because. I got an email this morning that said the same exact thing. Yeah. But it was one of those well, okay, I have to do a little search on this, and I just haven't gotten around to it because I knew that they were nothing anyway to begin with. But that is very funny. So as we're recording this, I have I mean, do you are you what's your plan going forward with this? Do you want to tweet this out?
0: Do you want me to tweet this out? Oh no! I this, don't. Don't. That's like a, a fellow reporter friend. So I'm not gonna. I don't know where she saw that. Is it? Is it online?
1: I I haven't. I mean, as of before we started this, I hadn't seen anything yet. But nothing would surprise me when it comes yeah. to that. No. Um,
0: I guess we'll have to look it up after this. I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna. Okay. Well, anyways. the thing is, we're Wait, recording. You, so you had no belief in them at all.
1: No. No. No, it wasn't anything. It was more about, and I'm sure you've heard this within the franchise, a lot of these people date other people strictly for their Instagram followers. They're just after more. And Kevin had his eyes on Instagram followers, and he went after the one girl that was, quote, unquote, the most popular
0: one. No, that's so sad.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, Kevin is the, and I'm not saying that probably a piece of, you know, uh, Ashley didn't see that as well in Kevin, is that, okay, we can become this quote-unquote couple post-show that's gonna you know and they made the media rounds all when winter games ended but jeez I mean two weeks you last I mean <laughs> I mean granted I mean filmed in December so yeah I mean they've been seeing each right. other since December months, yeah. but really gosh couldn't even couldn't do you even
0: think he on. has a bachelor potential um
1: maybe bachelor Canada I think if if he's definitely still single by paradise I guarantee they'll put him on paradise without oh, a doubt that was- yeah. yeah, would
0: Ashley go back on Paradise? You I know, know. I'd she be wouldn't. surprised
1: if she did. Yeah, I really yeah. would be surprised. I hope she doesn't. Um, but this is interesting because we're recording this on a Monday. By Thursday, when or Wednesday, when people actually hear this, um, there might be something already out there, or I got confirmation and I tweeted it out, or maybe Ashley addresses it. I don't know. Uh, so this is going to be interesting. The difference
0: between you and I in our reporting is like you get to the bottom of those kind of details, and I don't really do that as much. So I like read you to find out the details <laughs> about that stuff.
1: That's great that we have uh breaking news, uh, while we're recording this. That's interesting. <laughs> so okay. Funny. Uh, wherever we were, um, yeah, being so an actress,
0: boring, Back to my boring actress story. Basically, like I got to LA, everyone at, at USC seemed like they already kind of like knew what it would take. Like they had agents or headshots or like, you know, I just felt like, Oh wow. I don't look like these people. And this is going to be a lot of rejection. Like you were saying, and, and harder than I, then I realized, and also like, I don't know if you've ever had anything, I was always much better at writing, but I wanted to be an actress and like, I was, but I was much naturally better at writing. And so I was like, maybe I should just, Stick <laughs> just writing. do it. Right. Uh, and that's sort of what happened. I sometimes am like, I should have given it a shot, but.
1: What did you, something. after you graduated SC and whatnot, what were you doing before LA times? Or did you just go straight from graduation to, were you interning while you were in college at the LA times? Cause obviously that's a big paper to write for.
0: I did intern um, for the LA Times in college, and a few other internships. And then my first job out of um, college was at the Wrap, um, Sharon, Wex- Sharon Waxman's website. Yeah. And it was literally like the first day she started in her guest house, like with a laptop on my lap. Um, but that was only for like six months, and then a job opened up at the time, so that was fortunate for me, and it's been eight years.
1: So you've watched the show for a while, and I'm sure you've heard all the stories over the years. You obviously heard a lot while doing research for this book, but. What's one of the more surprising things that you learned when doing research for this book?
0: I mean, everyone has been asking me that. And I don't, like, I wish I had some one tidbit. I mean, people are like, you know, the the weird, the herpes thing got a lot of pickup, which I was surprised by. And, like, the menstrual cycles thing, which I think, you know, they don't do that anymore. That was probably an early days tactic, hopefully. Um, But I think it just the whole thing gave me a better understanding of why these people act the way they do because sitting on my couch I was like these are not people I know like no one I know would act this insane you know in it like say I love you after four seconds or agree to get engaged or act so over the top to like fulfill a character arc I mean but then when I got an understanding of like just how isolated you are and just how much the producers get into your head I was like oh yeah I would be fucked if I was in this situation like a thousand percent yeah and I
1: it's it is weird to look at it that way, and one of the things you talked about early on in the book is something that we've seen on Unreal happen in the first couple of seasons, and that's monetary incentives for producers who create drama. Whether it be getting somebody to kiss or getting in a fight, you tell the story of one producer early on who, who did the exact thing, having a having a bunch of $100 bills in his hand and passing them out freely to producers who were successful in, in getting reactions, and we've seen... Quinn make references to that on unreal in the first season. I believe that producer was someone who was on the show, I believe in it's very early years. So my question is, do you think that still goes on now or have you heard that it still goes on now?
0: I don't think it still goes on now, but I think Sarah Shapiro was definitely referring to that. Yeah. Prob- probably referring to that exact scenario. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My feeling is that like the, the handing out of hundred dollar bills, the like, you know, um, horse races within the producers to see who's going to get far, like the, um, the tracking the period stuff, like that is not as intense anymore. But I think, you know, obviously, and you know about this, the rise of the friendships with the producers is so much more prevalent, which in a way is like perhaps even more insidious because it's not this like over-the-top intense producing tactic. It's like, no, I really care about you and like I'm really – here for you and yet like they're still doing their job so it's just kind of hidden more in a way i think
1: yeah no i it it totally is i i don't i haven't heard anything in recent years of that happening but i think it's more not necessarily here's money to get drama or get this quote out of a girl or a guy uh but i do think there is incentive maybe to move up the ladder of the production chain by getting stuff if you're a really good producer and you can Coerce things out of contestants. Can you become, you know, not the person that has to go get them food and stuff like that? And can you work your way up and get to an Elon Gale type status because you're really good at your job? Absolutely, right. I think that happens. But
0: or even become famous yourself.
1: Yeah, or that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the other things that was really cool early on uh, in your book was something that has been alluded to over the years. Um, And then when Unreal came out, I mean, I get it all the time from people that watch Unreal that say, gosh, do you think this is really how the show is like? And I'm like, well, it's a television show. Mm -hmm. And there's stuff exaggerated. Obviously, we've never had a contestant commit suicide on the show like that one one girl did.
0: but That that we know of, please God.
1: The basics of it are... (laughs) very true to life because how can it not be the, the person who created Sarah Shapiro, who created unreal was a producer on the bachelor for nine seasons. So basically everything you're seeing on her show is either happened directly or is an exaggerated version of stuff that she saw when she was on it. But early on um, you talk about an interesting relationship between Mike Fleiss, who's the creator of the bachelor and Lisa Levinson, who was a big wig on this show in the early going and kind of is the one that got it and be- is the is the is kind of the brains behind it. I mean, it's Fleiss' show, but she was the creator and you compare their relationship to, now that Unreal is out, the Quinn and Chet relationship from Unreal. So talk about the Fleiss-Lisa Levinson relationship in the early seasons of this franchise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... Um A lot of people I interviewed were like, yeah, they're Quinn and Chet, they're Quinn and Chet. Of course, we'll never know. um, But there do seem to be a ton of overlapping details, um, mostly in that, you know, on Unreal, Chet is very much like the laid back one. He kind of comes in every now and then. And from everything I've heard um, in my reporting, like Fleiss was super, you know, he, he wears the same. He wears sunglasses inside. He wears flip flops, tennis shorts. He's always smoking weed like He would have his dog on set, you know, he's a very, um, chill dude. And then Quinn or Lisa, I guess, um, was really the one like making things happen. And, and what I heard about Lisa was that she's the one who conceptually really like pushed the bachelor along, like the roses, the candles, everything romantic, like getting into the mindset of what a woman would find romantic. That's all from her. And, um, it sounds like they sort of had like a love hate relationship in that, um, and again, it's like people would always allude to, you know, perhaps they were romantic, you know, they were flirting a lot. They were always fighting. Um, no one ever saw it like with their own eyes, like them blatantly hooking up. But I think the vibe was that they were like pretty flirty, even on set.
1: Yeah. And yeah. obviously there are certain people when you wrote this book, I mean, maybe you reached out to them but you either knew they were going to say no, but you had to reach out anyway. Yeah. But obviously Fleiss or Lisa would never speak to you for this book, right?
0: I kind of thought Lisa might consider it. I mean, she doesn't work there anymore. And I, from what I heard, maybe didn't necessarily leave on the best terms, but mm-hmm. I mean, she does have a huge job in Hollywood still. So yeah, realistically. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably not. And did you even, did you even reach out to Fleiss or no?
0: Yeah, of course. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And it was just a no response. Zero response. Yeah. 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 Um,
0: I know a lot of people were like well what if he like responds what if he wants to talk to you I'm like great great. (laughs) let's talk to him (laughs) you know of course Yeah, I mean I think especially for (laughs) a
1: book written about a lot of what's in the book is kind of how the sausage is made kind of stuff and a guy like Fleiss just would never reveal that to people and he's he's never done it publicly in any other interviews other than giving kind of the same generic answers he's just a guy that doesn't give a lot of interviews period you just he don't. Doesn't. You're you, right. You exactly. just don't see a lot of stuff from him over the years.
0: Yeah, you see him at the, that that um, Banff festival. I think was really the last big public thing he did, and that was like a few years ago.
1: And he's a guy now that has basically turned over the reins to other people in the franchise. He doesn't, outside of the first night, and I think sometimes he shows up at the final rose ceremony, but um, that guy just lives a cush life in Hawaii with his you know, 23 year old younger wife and his new baby. Like he didn't, do, he didn't do anything regarding this show. It's, it's his baby and he lets other people run it and he makes a fortune off it essentially.
0: Which like, why wouldn't you at this point? You know, yeah. it's like a, well, well, in some ways it's a well-oiled machine. And in other ways, as we saw this season, you know, you can't just keep going back with the same formula. It's not going to work forever. So um, we'll see how, if he, you know, and you know how he'll always talk about that um, period with like Matt Grant and Lorenzo and Charlie O'Connell and how like they decided to switch to Jason Mesnick and that was like saved the franchise. I mean, yeah. I always wonder if we're kind of approaching a moment like that where there's going to be some big shift.
1: Yeah, I don't. It's weird because he has said that in the past and to me what I I think I remember what I was reading one time was the I think he specifically mentioned bringing bringing on board Martin Hilton was the change in the franchise because that guy got it. And that mm-hmm. guy was able to kind of turn things around, and like you said, they had a three or four dead seasons in a row. Where you know, with Lorenzo and even even Andy Baldwin and Travis yeah. Stork, it just wasn't resonating with viewers. And
0: Baldwin, who asked me for money.
1: <laughs> Andy Baldwin asked you for money to what? To be part of the book. Yes. He, he wouldn't talk to you without being paid.
0: No, I, I put that in the book. Yeah, I I like messaged Wait, him that. and I said, um, "Hey, I'm doing this book." Da 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 da. da and he was like. Uh, they've gotten plenty of money out of me already like you know like unless or sorry he's like they've gotten plenty out of me already and basically felt like it was like I guess free labor was pretty much the vibe he was giving me <laughs> and he was like if you if your publisher will pay me then sure I'll spill everything and I was like uh, no okay. that's not how journalism works <laughs> Yeah. Click. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: no point to talk to you anymore okay guys quick break to talk to you about simple contacts I have to tell you about the newest time-saving trick here: I got my contact lens prescription renewed from my couch yesterday in just under five minutes. Well, technically my seat, but uh, it's it's called. It's using a new app called Simple Contacts. They let you renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in minutes through an online self-guided vision test. Every test is designed and reviewed by doctors, so they're literally bringing the doctor's office to your home. Think of how much time you save compared to making an appointment, getting to the eye doctor, taking time off, et cetera. Better yet, the contact lens prices are unbeatable. The vision test is only $20, and shipping is free. But a reminder, just remember, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. It's not a replacement for your full eye health exam. But when I did this, and I took the test. It was literally done in less than five minutes. It was great. It's very simple to do, very easy to use. I suggest you go check it out. Simple Contacts. Best of all, my listeners get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. Just go to simplecontacts.com Steve to enter the code Steve at checkout. Again, that's simplecontacts.com Steve, or just enter code Steve at checkout for $30 off your Contacts. Also want to talk to you again about Sun Basket. You're on the hunt for some healthy eating, never mind the latest fad diet or what your favorite celebrity isn't eating today. Sun Basket helps you get healthy, delicious meals on the table every day. Sun Basket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. And as you know me, I have none. Just go to the Sun Basket app and pick from 18 weekly recipes, like the Thai turkey lettuce cups. I don't know if you know this, but I've always been a lettuce cup slash lettuce wrap kind of guy. PF Chang's chicken lettuce wraps, like one of my all time favorites. This is even healthier. There are paleo, gluten free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, family options, and more. Plus, Sunbasket works with the best farms and suppliers to bring you fresh organic produce and responsibly raised meats and seafood. And the best part, it's quick and easy. With Sunbaskets, everything is delivered with 30 minute recipes ready to whip up anytime. No grocery shopping required which is a huge bonus for me because I hate going to the grocery store. Like, hate it with a passion. There's something for every healthy journey and every busy lifestyle. Go to sunbasket.com slash today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash steve for $35 off, sunbasket.com slash steve. Now, let's get back to Amy Kaufman uninterrupted for the remainder of the podcast. You mentioned earlier about the herpes thing, (laughs) which is... Which is kind of funny. Um, I've actually, I've heard it over the years. I've heard it attached to certain contestants over the years. Um, Obviously, it's stuff that can never, yeah, I can never talk about stuff like that because I can't prove it and that would become a major, major, you know, what is it, slander, libel if I said something like that. Like, oh, I heard this about this contestant. Like, yeah, I'd be, I don't even want to go there with with who I've heard, but just the story in itself of- Um, everybody has to go through medical to get cleared to come on this show, and sometimes casting will call somebody back and say, "Go see your doctor," which is hilarious to me. <laughs> like they won't yeah. even tell them what your condition is; they'll just say, "Look, um, we can't bring you on the show, but you should probably go check your doc, <laughs> go check with your doctor." I, I mean, when you heard that, um, I can't remember which was the producer who told you that.
0: That- it was Ben Ben who's like um who was started as Place's assistant. I mean, I think he was kind of saying it as like, oh damn, like he was in his early twenties and this was his introduction to, you know, the realities of like the dating world of like a lot of people have STDs. Okay. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. I- um but I agree with you, like what a brutal way to find out um that you that you have herpes. Like, not only can you not be on the batch, but you have herpes. Rough.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a double whammy. Um, yeah,
0: or is it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of those is good news. I think,
1: I think one of the things that you did that I really liked in the book was you 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 were able to get a hold of a con- of a contract, um, which is just funny i've had one i have one from i think oh six so it was a what? long time I, come
0: ago come on i know you must have one
1: no i don't have a recent one i like huh. so, i don't think um no i've i have i have an old old one and i want to say it's from oh six long time ago and you put the direct quote in your book and i want to read it because it's so funny um this no. this contract specifically says this i mean it's long it's 23 pages of Basically, you're turning your life over to these people for a full year. But one of the things it says is, I understand, acknowledge, and agree that producer may use or reveal personal information which may be embarrassing, unfavorable, shocking, humiliating, disparaging, and or derogatory, may subject me to public ridicule and or condemnation, and may portray me in a false light. Which is just, um, it brings up the question... And you brought it up, I think, rhetorically in your book quite a few times, was why do people even do this show? I know. What's the best thing that you've ever gotten out of that question?
0: I just think people don't take that. I mean, they could not spell it out more clearly. It's literally in capital letters. Like, people just think that won't happen to them. They yeah. think it's like it's like people who, you know, what's the thing where you you don't think you're going to get old or, like, you know, if you smoke, like, you don't think you're going to be the one who gets cancer. It's like that. It's like. You just are willfully blind and think you're immune to it. Like, and so many people are like, well, I won't get wasted. And then, you know, I won't say anything too mean and I'll come across fine. It's like, no, you are not in control of what happens to you on the show. Like, I know I would go on and everything I know, I think I would still look like horrific. I mean, it's just, I don't know why people like want to believe that they're going to be the lucky ones. And obviously some people are fine with, with the way they've been. Portrayed, but I think there's a lot of people who aren't.
1: And I think the other thing is now in 2018, and probably for the last three or four years, to them, the positives outweigh the negatives. Like being able to quit their job yeah. and promote flat tummy tea outweighs trolls telling them you sound like an idiot, or I can't believe you said that about her or him, or whatever. And
0: but like, I don't think people are thinking, I mean, you know, yeah. So most people say, Oh, it was like a free vacation. Yes, you are traveling. But as you know, most of the time, you're stuck in a hotel room. Yeah. So it's not like you're gallivanting around Paris, like gay old Perry or something. And then, you know, uh, not to mention, like, I think people really underestimate the emotional toll this can take on you, especially if you get really far. Yeah. Um, and then your reputation back home, like, Also, like, how do you go from getting a little bit of that taste of, like, attention and, you know, even though it's, like, sort of controlled and maybe you're not outside that much, it's still, like, quote, unquote, the good life or you have people paying attention to you and getting free food and stuff, and then you go back to your 9 to 5, it's like, that's a hard adjustment for people, too, so... Part of this, I just think, you know, do it if you want. Just know fully what you're getting into.
1: And none of them really, I don't think, ever comprehend it. Even if we're 35 seasons in now, and and I don't think anybody really comprehends it, until they go through it, get off it, show starts airing, and then they see, oh, shit, this is... People really take this show so seriously, and they think everything they see on that show is real, and that's where they have to step (laughs) in and say... they talk
0: to a raccoon. Like, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. I don't.
1: Uh, one thing that I've always said is, in terms of why people say, "Why did they say that stuff?" or "How did they not think that that was going to come across a certain way?" is, you gotta remember, especially for Bachelor. Bachelorette's quicker turnaround, but Bachelor films September to November. It starts airing January first Monday in January. It has for the last six years now. I think when you're sitting in an ITM and you're filming a confessional, a producer's peppering you with questions at two or three in the morning. Right. You're not actively thinking, how is this going to sound two and a half months from now? You're just not. And you're just saying stuff to, like you said, uh, it's been talked about, you mentioned it in your book about some of these people just say stuff so they can get out of the room. They want to go to bed. And that's that's where this whole thing of this manipulation by producers, they're not telling you you have to do something, but you're under such an enormous amount of pressure to do something that you just do it anyway because ex- you,
0: you you nailed it. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah you you want to get
1: out of it. You want to go to bed or you want to eat or something. They'll withhold something from you to get you to do something. Not necessarily, if you don't do this, you're in you know violation of your contract. Show, right.
0: Yeah. Or, or, I mean, sometimes they do threaten that, like, you know, like someone, it's like, like that, the scenario where, um, I, I went to, um, dinner with a producer and had him sort of like role play with me. And he, he, uh, Snapped right into it, and he hadn't been on the show in many years, and he was just like, "You were so much more interesting in your casting process. Like you're you're boring the fuck out of me. Like you can leave if you want. Like no one's keeping you here, but like go ahead. You know, like yeah, right. It's just like it's like a slight twist on everything that makes it seem like you should defer to them. It's it's hard to explain, I think, to viewers.
1: Yeah, and I think that, and I think that's why a lot of the contestants say like. Only we know what this experience is like, and it's kind of why they all all bond with each other and whatnot. Um, but that was a really interesting part of your book, was where you basically told a producer that you had had lunch with, like, you can't produce me right now. Like, I know how it's done, and I bet you you can't do it. And he did start doing it, and you felt bad. You felt like, oh, Yeah, shit.
0: I mean, I, listen, it was obviously a fake scenario, but yeah. like did see how they just ratcheted up the pressure and ratcheted up the pressure and like repeat the same things over and over. And like who wants someone feeling mad at them or like you've disappointed someone. It's just a bad feeling. Um, not to mention like I was out in public at a restaurant, not one-on-one alone in a room, like maybe buzzed already and like away from my friends and family without any outside stimulation.
1: Yeah. That yeah. obviously certainly adds to the whole aspect of it. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really fascinating thing. And I think, one thing, and in terms of producers, uh, the most famous producer of this show is Elon Gale, and he has this kind of hold over a lot of contestants, and people ask me about him all the time. They do. Oh. They ask me about him all the time in terms of why do the contestants love him so much, mm-hmm. and why do they you know, constantly mention him in their tweets and in their Instagram posts, yet what they, do you think? They know they get shit. Uh, they, You know they get, you know, their certain edit came across a certain way. And honestly, I've never been able to come up with a definitive answer. I've asked people about Elon, and the one thing that I've gotten is, yeah, he can be a jerk, and yeah, he can really push your buttons, but he's so good at what he does that I respect him for it. That's, like, been the common answer I've gotten, which is... Kind of a head-scratcher. I don't really get it, but I, I don't know. I mean, and then there's also a certain aspect of, let's face it, you don't want to burn any bridges within this franchise, so you're not going to take to Twitter or Instagram and just ripple on. Um, some have done it off record, but very pu- it's not smart to do it publicly because you just never know what can come about and future shows that you might not get cast on because you do it. Put it this way. If you get on Alon's bad side, (coughs) Jeff Holm, (coughs) um, you'll never get on another show again. And uh, so it's just, it's not going to happen. He has too much say and too much control. And if Alon hates you, you're never getting on another show. So I think that plays also a part of it, is that they just don't want to piss him off. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, not even just him, all the producers. like In promoting the book, it's been really interesting because... I will have people who will even do interviews with me like for the LA times or for the book who since um, you know, when I've had bookstore events or parties or whatever, don't want to like be publicly associated with me. Like God forbid anyone see them because they need to potentially be on a show yeah. down the, a franchise show. And it's, it's so odd because it's like, you know, they just have this, they have to walk this very delicate tightrope of um, feeling like they have their own, I don't know, like you're, you're still in control of you're your own person, and yet you also want to please them. I don't. It's, I don't know. These people are in a weird <laughs> mindset. Well, well, trust me,
1: I deal with the same thing with podcast guests. I know there are certain people that won't come on my podcast because of how my name is associated with this show. Yeah. Um, don't now, you love
0: how like so many of the same sources? By the way, it's very <laughs> you know clearly. I certainly there are certain people who will talk uh, and have decided that, and others who have. Well, who, who it's
1: love. weird because. I, you know, I I get it to a certain extent why some people don't want to be associated with me. However, it's almost it's it's such a case by case basis, and a perfect example, and one that I've used constantly this season was the fact that I had Kenny King on my podcast, and a week back back in um back in October, and or late September, early October, whenever it was, and a week later. Kenny was asked to be a part of RE season. You know, he was on the wrestling date. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, yeah, obviously Kenny, they obviously didn't care enough to, he had just spoken to me a week later. And when I did that interview at no point during that conversation, whether it was before the podcast, when we were talking and setting things up, whether it was during the podcast, whether it was post podcast where we shared a couple text messages at no point. Did that guy ever say, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm going on the show next week. Like he never told me. And So obviously they didn't care, but have there been other instances where they did care that somebody came on the podcast? Yeah. And so I've never understood that with
0: them. It's nice to talk to you about this because I think you and I are sort of in the same boat. Like, especially, you know, I've been doing a lot of Bachelor podcasts and, you know, like the Ringer podcast, they'll have like Rob Mills on and Chris Harrison. And then it's like me the next week, but I don't, and I have a lot of friends who cover The Bachelor and who I watch with every week who go and go to tapings and come back and you know, talk to me about it. And like, I'm the outsider. Like I feel, you know, like no one really understands what it's like to try to be getting this information when you're completely shut out. And you and I are both in that situation.
1: Yeah. It's a really weird thing. And it wasn't until I started the podcast that I started seeing, okay, some people have agendas and some people just are very, very scared of the people there. And are just so paranoid that, oh my God, if I associate myself with him. It's why, it's why a lot of my podcast guests are people from three, four, five seasons ago. People that are just so far removed from it, they don't care. The Deanna Pappas's, you know, Prince Lorenzo, uh, Sadie, um, just reeling some, some people off the top of my head. Just people from four or five seasons ago where nothing, they, they don't plan on going on another show again, so it doesn't matter. You know what they say. Uh, They're still sometimes kind of guarded about stuff that happens behind the scenes, but they're more than willing to talk about their experience. And it's it's certainly interesting um, because it is tougher to get people that want to still do stuff within the franchise on the podcast because they feel like if I go on with him, the show's going to hate me and I can't and I I don't want to ruin that. You know, so this is another
0: question, like, do you think that, you know, a lot of people have been saying to me, like, oh, well, The Bachelor should love that you wrote this book, like all, all publicity is good publicity. And I hear that same thing about you, like, yeah. especially with this season, like, oh, they should be grateful to Steve because his spoilers help people tune in for the finale. Like, do you think that there's any truth to those kind of comments?
1: I do. I think there's some truth to it because I've been told off record that certain producers have said we don't care what that guy does. It's good publicity for us. Um, but they'll just publicly never acknowledge it, which I think is funny because, and you brought up The Ringer, you know, I've been on Juliet's podcast at least five or six times. She's been on mine twice. Mm-hmm. But like you said, and then the next week she'll, she's had Chris Harrison on. She's had Robert Mills on a few times. And Juliet has had an hour conversation with me and she, we talk about how the spoilers and how it affects the show and viewing and all this stuff. And then she has Robert Mills on and at, at and at no point has she ever brought up my name to Robert Mills, which I find interesting but I also know that I guarantee Robert said I'm not talking about that guy, so don't even bring it up.
0: I said, I said so funny the other day. My friend had an interview with someone who was associated with the show, and she she was like, "What should I ask?" I was like, "Ask about my book. See what they say." It's like, no, no one's going to do that. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's what I'm saying. They they're just not. They can't publicly acknowledge me because what are they going What are they going yeah, like to say? It's not you know, the
0: other journalists to – it's a hard game to play. You know, they see what happens when you take one misstep, you get completely cut out and who wants to be in that situation, you know? But you also don't want to be kissing ass. It's like it's weird. It's weird
1: for me because I'm a guy that from the second I started my blog and started spoiling, I've been a guy on the outside. You were a girl that was covering the show, was writing for the LA Times, was getting invited to the tell all shows and the after the final roses. So, it certainly was different for you than it was it's than it, it's always been for me because at some point you did have a relationship with the show um but yeah it is weird because there's what are they going to say about me they can't if 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 Juliet were to bring Robert my name up to Robert Mills in an interview what's he going to say like oh that guy doesn't know what he's talking about well obviously that's not the case and they're not going to say oh yeah no that guy he's a thorn in our side he gets us every year like they're not gonna say that either so I think they just tell people why not why don't
0: you think you'd say that
1: because I don't think they want to admit defeat I don't think they want to admit that.
0: Defeat in a way, it's like beneficial for both of you, is my view of
1: it. But I think if a if a producer or an executive of this show says, "Yeah, that guy's really good," go to his site. He gets us every season. He'll know everything before the season starts. They're going to be like, That's, "Wait a second, right?" <laughs> Why? So they don't want to promote it because they're. I mean, trust me. And people have a hard time believing this, but I'm telling you, there's way more people that don't know about me slash the spoilers slash all this stuff that happens off the air from outside of Monday nights from seven to nine central time. Like people just don't, there's the diehards that go on and follow everything. And once I release all these contestants, immediately start following them on Instagram and know every single move that they do. Like it's, but that's such a small minority of the franchise do. Yeah. Does it get out now a lot more? Yes. Like the second I posted that Becca was the winner back on November 30th, Any Instagram post that she posted, it could it could be her walking around Minnesota. You go and read the comments. It was like, oh my god, so happy for you and Ari. So
0: yeah, it's it's. it's I have to say, like, I'm kind of, I have a weird feeling about what you do because on one hand, I like obviously I clearly respect the reporting and and the digging you do, but I'm annoyed about the spoiler enterprise because like, yes, you can spoil it, but now the way that news works with all the aggregation, like, it annoys me that there's no way for me to avoid spoilers if I want to, like. By the fact that everyone had picked your scoop up and then went to Us Weekly and then everyone picked that up, it's like, I, I, how do you get through a season unspoiled anymore? You can't.
1: It's almost impossible. You literally have to stay off the internet. Oh, and by the way.
0: <laughs> even then, like in the store.
1: Yeah, in the store, you'll see it on the cover. Uh, even yeah. though, yes, Us Weekly didn't mention the names. They just said, oh, by the way, he chooses one and breaks up with them and he didn't give the names, which was utterly ridiculous. Um, By the way, as I'm recording with you right now, ET Online has the story up. Bachelor winner games Ashley. couple Ashley and Kevin have gone their what separate ways.
0: What
1: is the reason? Um, let me click on the story here. Um, I just retweeted it. Someone sent it to me. Bachelor winner games couple Ashley Iconetti and uh, Kevin Went break up. Exclusive. Um, fan favorite Ashley has confirmed to ET that her and her boyfriend Kevin Went have split. Were declared the winner. ET first learned of the split through a source who told us there are no hard feelings. It was simply difficult to make a new relationship work long distance. Okay did you not know that going in <laughs> come on now all right I so mean, enjoy bi enjoy paradise kevin because that's where you're headed and that's where he's that's it was his whole goal out of this anyway
0: you're so jaded <laughs> can i ask you like i know i'm just kind of interviewing you but like i don't care I, I mean make it more of a
1: conversation we don't need to ask you more questions
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like you get really mad at some of these dudes and i'm just like you need to take a breath like why do you care <clears throat> like you know, like Ari and stuff,
1: like reel it in, Steve. Well, my thing with Ari had nothing to do with him changing his mind. I don't care if he changes his mind. I think the way he handled it was, was pretty shitty. Um, I don't think that I think every, my thing also with Ari goes back to September. Like I told everybody this was going to happen six months ago. It was just along the lines of why is anybody buying this guy? He has, you know, kind of like the leopard never changes his spots. Like, He has five years of track record of just going from woman to woman to woman to woman. What makes me think that Becca was going to be the woman he's going to be with for the rest of his life? And really, all I was doing was pointing it out, because at this point, you know, as a reporter, I I, could I just say something and throw it out there in the wind and let it go? Yeah. But it's going to be like, okay, well, what do you have to back that up? Well, here's this, 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 this and this. And so. With Ari, there was a lot more because there was five years ago when I did a pretty big expose on him because I had so many people come forward. Um, but if it's just a random guy that's like, oh, this guy's going on for fame, it's just like, yeah, we kind of get that now. It's a it's a given. I've already got guys that are on Becca season that I know aren't there for the right reasons, but I'm not going to do an expose on them because it's pretty just standard. Like I think people know now and accept that at this point it's like, yeah, people just go on because they want to gain followers and want to make money post-show or want to go on another show and hook up with somebody else so
0: but do you ever think like i mean amanda and josh murray like i feel like you get so deep Mm. in this and i'm just like dude
1: but the problem is they came to me and i was i could i say okay in one and one hand could i say i want no part of this sure but (laughs) that's what i would have done but (laughs) with the amanda and josh thing and josh's mom like they were all coming to me because there were so many stories floating out. And I figured, okay, um, I'll, I'll navigate this. I'll, I'll be a mediator here and I'll, I'll do this, uh, for this particular instance. And then I did and I got shit for it. So it's like, okay, well, I've kind of removed myself publicly because, um, it doesn't happen very often. A lot of the stuff I do does go on behind the scenes that I don't even share. And I can't tell you how many times people have come to me asking for information or asking for help. I give them the help and then they don't listen to it. Like it just, so yeah, there's a part of me that's like, I'm done giving help. I don't care. I don't care if you want to get involved with somebody when well, I have the help. actual, I, I can't get into it, but essentially, um, it's people that have come to me and said, can I get some, can I, can I get some help PR? with some things? What
0: are you saying? Advice PR information,
1: all those combined. They will come to me. Uh, sometimes it's to find out information about another contestant that they might be interested in. And they want to know because they know, I know a lot of stuff. What have you heard about? Oh, so-and-so so
0: they're, they're using it as like a PI.
1: Well, what have you heard about? So-and-so not, not necessarily go find stuff on him. It's like, or go find stuff on her it's like hey what do you know about this person because i'm kind of interested he he or she slid into my dms i'm kind of interested about this person what do you know and then i tell them and it's usually somewhat you know i i don't relay all the good stuff i relay hey cuz basically they're asking what negative things do you have on this person and i tell them and then they're like okay and then the next thing I see, they're like dating, <laughs> like or they're they're publicly uh, flirting on Instagram or Twitter. I'm like, why did I, why'd you even come to me if you're not going to listen to what I have to say? When I'm pretty good at this and I've gotten a lot of dirt on a lot of people because people like to tell me stuff. It's really weird. I it's yeah, the, I'm fascinated by it. Where, like people don't um, people don't people like why
0: well, why would people have talked to you for this book? And I, it's like this, well, why would people? Like when you had to stop soliciting people yourself, yeah. um, due to, due to Warner brothers and stuff, like I think people think, oh, well, no one would just voluntarily tell you stuff on their own. It's like, yeah, people yeah. You don't understand the desire people have to share stuff or feel like they were the whistleblower or whatever. It's like, it, it's crazy, but everyone feels it. If
1: I ever, I mean, I know, trust me, people have told me to write a book for the longest time and I'm like, well, you got to understand something. I think the book that people want me to write is one of these days I'm just gonna expose every source that I ever right. had. And I'm just like, I'm not gonna do that. I don't care if the show's off the air for five or ten years. I don't plan on ever writing a book and saying, Okay, this season, this well, is I how I knew that the because ending.
0: Because you like if you promise someone that would be incredibly unethical to reveal your sources.
1: Yeah. And yeah. But I know that a book that's what people would want to hear from me. But there are certain there are certain times where I have been able to reveal a source because it's just not like whatever. Like when I when I got the Nick Plane video, and I always talk about this, which was just one of the more fascinating bits of information I've ever gotten. Um, do you remember the Nick Plane video?
0: Of course. I was just talking to him about it the other day.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure Nick thinks that I planted someone on that plane, or I'm sure he thinks that I was.
0: No, I think it was just it had a, it was like devastating for him, not because you did it, but who you know the just fact, the fact that, that it got out there came out. Yeah.
1: And it's him, you know, kind of bad mouth and. Josh and Andy at the same time, um yeah. I mean, something like that. I could, I could freely admit that that came to me from a girl that I dated five years ago, or five years before that. Just
0: happened to be on that plane. That who lucky.
1: happened to be on a flight and was happened to be sitting right behind Nick. And it's a girl that it's such a funny story. It's a girl that hadn't watched the show in a long time. She knew what I did. Um, but she heard buzzwords when Nick was on the fur when, when when he was on the phone. She heard words like final rose and the ceremony and stuff like that. So she goes, "I heard it. I went to my phone." She goes, "I hadn't been on your site in a, probably a couple of years. I went on your site. I saw your contestants that you listed for Andy season, and I realized, oh, this guy must have been in the final two because he's here on Steve's site. Like it sounds
0: like someone would date you because she's like obviously a little bit of a slip." <laughs> Well, it was just
1: it was so it was so weird because I literally it's not like we had kept in touch for those five years. This is a girl that I asked after the fact. I said, hey, if I didn't have if your num if my number was not in your phone at that time, would you have emailed me once your plane landed and told me what you heard? She goes, probably not. She goes, it was just that it was readily there right then. I still had your number and just decided to text you before we before we took off. And I was like, wow. And she goes, Yeah, I probably wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't emailed you because I just, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But to me, in my business, that was like the biggest thing I'd ever gotten. But to someone else, it's just like, Oh, okay. Just thought I'd help you out. And yeah, people just love to talk. People like to help me out. And it kind of helps when, you know, you've established, you know, the Reality Steve name and people just know to tell me stuff because this is the site that spoils the show. There's no other right. site out there that does it. So I guess they want to come to me. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, your book is a really fascinating read uh, for people that you may have heard stories over the year, but you really get into interviewing a lot of former contestants. Uh, for, that's why it's producers. so funny, by
0: the way, like so many people, like the negative reviews will say like, well, I've heard this or like that's, that happens too when I do uh reporting on the Me Too movement, people will be like, well, you we've know, already always heard that guy is sleazy. It's like. Do you guys get, like, what reporting is? Like, yeah. you're just believing a rumor. Don't you want it vetted out and confirmed? I'm confused.
1: <laughs> no, I know. And I yeah. think I think you do a great job in the book. I just finished it over the weekend, and I was – and I really liked it. I mean, I really liked hearing the stories. I liked hearing – you know, yeah, there was a lot of stuff in here that I had heard over the years as well, but
0: you're like the number. I would think you would know everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, but there were a couple things in there that I was like, oh, okay. And I think the biggest one was I
0: shocked reality, Steve, in some way. Yeah, oh my.
1: I think the- one of the biggest ones was the Elon at the women tell all for Ben season with Courtney, and it's mm-hmm. basically the thing that led you, I think, and I'm sure you you, and I'm sure yeah. you think as well, but probably what led you to get your um passes or inside to attending those and covering the show revoked in that uh you were at the taping and that was the only taping where one of the final two girls appeared at the women tell all and it was courtney showed up and she was on stage and they go to commercial break and you were backstage and Alon and courtney's mics were still on and tell everyone what happened
0: yeah basically so she if you guys remember um because she had gone on the tell all to sort of Endear herself to viewers. I would say like, you know She was getting such a bad edit and it was like she wanted to sort of explain herself I think that's how they convinced her to do it was which would she be apologetic, you know For all the mayhem she had caused on Ben's season and she did she got really emotional She was crying and then they went to a commercial break when the mics were on and I was sitting watching a monitor and Alon was like talking to her and comforting her and you know talking about like what cigarettes she smoked and then it was coming back to, um, to, to be alive again. And she, and he, she was like, I'm I'm not emotional anymore. You like cheered me up. Like, I don't know if I can, you know, cry anymore. And he was like, you've got to do this. Like, this is for you and Ben. Basically it seemed like he was kind of not coaching her to cry, but like in a way kind of, I don't know. Um, and I wrote about that because I was sitting in a press room and they left the monitors on, like that's within bounds. In my opinion, it's, you know, an on the record event. And, uh, and other, some other reporters wrote about it too, just not in the detail I did, I think. And then, yeah, it was coincidentally shortly after that that my access was revoked.
1: Now, I will say this, and I'm just going to put this out there. Courtney was my guest last week on the podcast. And when I was he- reading when I was reading the book this weekend, I got to that part. I told Courtney about it. I said, is this what happened? And her response was, her perception is whack. So just like anything that you report, people that don't want to like certain things
0: i mean other people were there who i mean you could probably look it up and see the same thing so
1: yeah so it's just like okay i know courtney said that that's i just wanted to relay what courtney thought of courtney that part of the book
0: like me, um because i don't know if like you know i so I've, I've interviewed ben before i don't know why i reached out for her in the book i'd love to talk to her i've said to her before that i think you know when I was recapping the show at that time, maybe I was overly harsh um, about her because, you know, that season was crazy. And I have said many times in interviews, you know, the past few weeks that the main thing I learned in writing this book and interviewing so many contestants, I'm sure you feel the same way is that I need to curb my judgments because people are so different than they seem um, on TV. And she was one of those people. Um, And so, so yeah, I'm, you know, That's that's the thing with
1: her. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, we've all got we've all got our people that um, I'm sure, you know, just doing the podcasts as well. For me, there are people that, you know, you go into it, you have a certain perception and then you talk to them. You're like, yeah, that's a little bit different. Um, But for me, I just there's a part of me that just likes. I mean, I like I like spoiling the show. I don't like the show in particular, but I like spoiling it and I like getting.
0: Do like it a little. I know you do. That's the other thing. Like you're always like such a hater about it. I'm like, dude, you can do this about something you hate, you truly hate.
1: I hate the show. I don't, but I love spoiling it. I love being out, I love being out in front. And being the one that people but go really to the for information. You
0: really, really hate it. Come if, on. This,
1: if this wasn't my job and I wasn't getting paid for it, I absolutely would not watch it. I have no reason to watch it. I don't like. I don't think it's realistic. And now that I, you know, obviously know everything that goes on behind the scenes and how the sausage is made here. Like, I don't, it's not, it's not real. Like, what am I watching? Why would I, why would I spend time on this? I, I understand why women would find this show kind of fascinating, but as a oh, guy. Oh, okay.
0: That's not sexist at all. No, I just,
1: I, I just don't think a guy watches this show. It's no reason why, I, I don't think guys like, are huge fans of rom-coms. That's a women's thing. Women like rom-coms. I don't. Um, there are guys that do, but is it, Are or. Is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days made for women or men? How many how many people are watching that movie, men or women?
0: Yeah, like, the, I mean, but it's marketed towards women. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like what I, mean. I mean, it's a whole... Thing. Listen, I'm saying I think there are a lot more men who like The Bachelor than would admit to it. And I think most guys just say, Oh, I watch it with my wife. My wife makes me watch that or my girlfriend. It's that like, too. no, you're finding something in it you like.
1: Yeah, I just... there's There's something about it that I guess when you when you realize and when you find out more things about it um
0: that i think is a legitimate critique that's
1: what i'm saying like i don't there's nothing about it that i like because i know a lot of it is so manipulated and fake so Mm -hmm. it's not like there's plenty of other shows that i would rather watch but this has become what i do so i do it and i really really i've always liked writing and once the spoiler aspect of it came around I really started enjoying the fact that I was spoiling it and people were coming to my site to hear what I had to say about, you know, the spoilers. And so that aspect, but other than that, no, I'd much rather watch the challenge. I'd much rather watch idol. Like those are shows I actually like, um, plenty of other reality shows over the years. I even, you know, um, survivor, like those are my favorite reality shows. This is like 15th on the list. But it happens to be my job, so kind of have to go with it. Um, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the Me Too movement, and I wanted to talk with you about that as well, um, because you had two big exposés over the last few months. Uh, back in November,
0: three, okay. Steve,
1: three. Okay, well, maybe I'm missing one. I know, there's two that I know of, unless one is okay. So in November, you came out with the Brett Ratner one, where you had plenty of women that came forward uh including names like olivia munn and natasha henstridge came forward as well to talk about uh brett ratner and then was russell simmons part of the brett ratner thing or was that the third one we were talking about
0: no because he you know yes there were some encounters that allegedly both of them were involved but there were also many where it was just simmons
1: okay and then uh just earlier this year january i think 11th was the date of the james franco one where you spoke to five women who were uh, sexually harassed by him. Um, This is all obviously a huge thing right now in Hollywood. And I want you to talk about how difficult it is to choose to write a piece like that, knowing the backlash that you're going to receive and how it's just not that easy to have witnesses come forward to tell their side like how many different sources you have to go through to be able to print a story like that. You can't just have one girl come forward and say, hey, Amy, James Franco assaulted me, and you publish it. Like, explain everybody what goes through that. Oh,
0: God, no. I mean, it's incredibly, yeah, reporting these stories has been a huge education for me um, and I think has, like, helped me grow as a reporter because, you know, I knew that those things were, quote, unquote, hard to write about, but, like, going through it, I mean, not only is it difficult to find people who would have who who gone through these things. Um, but you know, people will come to you and, and this happens in all lines of reporting for you too. People will reach out and say they want to tell a story, then they realize like the impact it's going to have. So they say they don't want to be on the record. And mm-hmm. then you have someone who wants to go on the record, but only if other people go on the record. And so sort of like a chain a domino effect where um a lot of people have to agree and the timing has to be just right. And then, you know, it's really emotional. These people have never told their stories for the first time. And there's so many lawyers and fact checking processes involved in these stories that you're rehashing a lot of it many times. And so, you know, there's a, like you're talking to people in their most vulnerable States and I try to be as sympathetic as I can and compassionate, but I'm not a therapist. You know, I I feel sometimes ill-equipped to be, to be um, on the receiving end of some of these stories just because it's so heavy. Um, And yeah. And then, you know, as far as the victim or sorry, the the alleged um, perpetrators you're writing about, there's obviously a huge, huge, huge impact for them as well. And it's difficult to remember. I'm just writing about this and putting this information out there. I'm not deciding what the quote unquote punishment should be or how this news should be received. It's just this is something we thought was newsworthy about a public figure. And that's why we decided to publish it. So, you know, you have to think about every person you're writing about because all of these things have huge ramifications, you know?
1: Well, and the people that, the perpetrators that you're writing about, the Brett Ratners, the Russell Simmons, the James Francos, they obviously are more well-known and are more popular than usually their victims are, um, the people that are coming forward to tell stories about them. So obviously (coughs) there's going to be a ton of, towards you because even though you have to stay neutral and you're just like hey I'm just reporting I'm the middle person here I'm just reporting what these women are telling me um immediately people think that you are in on it in terms of no, no, it's, it's, it's your fault you know look what you well, did to I mean, their it's also career.
0: like having gone through this too I realized like for every story you read there are probably a lot more stories or a lot more accounts that a reporter couldn't publish because someone went off the record because couldn't get past the lawyers, you know. Like, oh yeah, people always like to think like, oh, the, this is like five random women. Like in my experience, that doesn't tend to be the case. Yeah, um, no. Or I, are you I, writing about it? What is the,
1: what is your overall stock answer? Because this is obviously the Me Too movement is is huge right now, and it's talked about and talked about, and it just seems like every week we have a new story or a new accusation of somebody coming forward with something. What is your overall stock answer that you give to people who say, why didn't these women come forward sooner? They're all just piling on now because of the Me Too movement.
0: Uh, That you're fully ridiculous? (laughs) I I don't just that everyone goes through these things in their own time. First of all, for whatever reason, now women are believed, but for so many many years they weren't. And so to come forward was just like, a fruitless prospect. Like no one's going to believe them. They were going to be, their name would be, you know, slandered. And like, there was no benefit to it other than like harming your own reputation. Um, and uh, the other thing is a lot of people love to say like, Oh, they just want their 15 minutes. Like that's what, like what other than maybe doing one television interview or something after you are a part of something like this, what kind of fame are you getting? Like, For the most part, people don't want to be associated as someone who was sexually harassed or assaulted. That's not exactly like a fun thing to claim. And so, you know, you're not getting at least at the L.A. Times, you're certainly not getting paid for being a part of these stories. I just don't really see the upside for supposedly fabricating a story like that.
1: Yeah. Your 15 minutes is, hey, my 15 minutes is I was sexually assaulted. Like, why would somebody want that? I know. As their quote unquote 15 minutes of fame. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but, like you said, people handle it in different ways. There's just no way to. You can't. There is. I guess there really is no stock answer of why does somebody wait one year? Why does somebody wait 10 years? Why does somebody wait 20 years to report it? Um, yeah, there is a movement going on right now where women who had this happen to them, whether it's Weinstein or whoever, these people in the past, Kevin Spacey, um, there's there's everyone's got their reasons and you would have to take it's a case by case basis once again where there there is no right answer um people handle things in their own ways i mean when you were covering this um did you fear for your life at all were you ever threatened when you were doing this
0: i mean i my like inclination when you say that is to laugh but um after i read all the stuff about the Massad, former Mossad people and Harvey and everything, like I I sort of had a gut check, you know, reality check, where I was like, okay, you know, yeah, once you write one of these stories, these people's lives and careers are severely impacted. And so it's not preposterous to think that they would see me as some sort of, as as responsible for that, um, rightly or wrongly. And so, I don't know, um, I wasn't ever, I don't know, I'm scared to even talk about this. I wasn't legitimately scared scared i guess but i was like i'd like watch my back sort of
1: i mean that- obviously trolls have said something on twitter but have you been tweeted at like really bad things or just been no, no, basic no. stuff like you know your reporting sucks or whatever
0: yeah i mean just like mean things but nothing to you know i would always if the real threats like that you you kind of like get the authorities involved i think
1: yeah okay well uh amy i know that uh you're on a you're on a media tour right now so we are we are we are short on time but we got a good hour out of you and i i know i'm gonna have you on some point in the future where we can uh when we have more time we
0: and can dish more through. i i'm yeah. glad we have gotten to know one another and um we yes. can be outsiders together <laughs> yes we
1: can yeah we start our own club <laughs> we start our own little bachelor outsider club people that are hated by the bachelor franchise um <laughs> But, again, everybody who's listening.
0: secretly loved? I don't know. Yeah,
1: and that, too. Um, But everybody who's listening, the the book is called Bachelor Nation, Inside the World of America's Favorite Guilty Pleasure. Um, I'll have the link to it uh, on my site uh, today when this goes up, and you can purchase it from there. Uh, It's a really great read. I'm on pages 257 to 260, which is probably the best part of the book. So, um, (laughs)
0: okay, maybe not.
1: Uh, Anyway, thanks again, Amy, for coming on. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon.
1: Bye. Thank you to Amy for that. Uh, That abrupt ending to the interview is on me. Um, I knew I only had an hour with her and we could have gone an hour just on the Me Too stuff and her reporting on the Brett Ratner and the James Franco uh, exposés that she did for the LA Times. All you got to do is Google Amy Kaufman, LA Times, Brett Ratner, Amy Kaufman, LA Times, James Franco. You can read the stories if you haven't seen them by now, but it's excellent reporting done by her and, um, Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's a whole, that's a whole different line of way of reporting that, um, yeah, I mean, she's the middle person, and she's telling these people stories that have come forward with accusations against these men, but even as the middle person, you're immediately um, characterized as the villain, and you're immediately told things that I'm sure she probably didn't want to hear, and didn't need to hear, but... Uh, like you said, a good thing is she hasn't been like given a death threat or anything like that, but uh, you know that there are people that are Brett Ratner fans, James Franco fans, that immediately hate her, even though all she was doing was her job. So it's a really tough position to be in uh, for her. Um, but I respect uh, what she's done. And if you like The Bachelor and you watch The Bachelor over the years, definitely check out her book, Bachelor Nation, Inside the World of America's... Favorite guilty pleasure. I'll have the link uh, for you today on the site. Anyway, thanks to all those who are tuning in. Uh, please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Um, you got your uh, 10 guys yesterday from uh, Becca season. And I'll have more, obviously, coming forward in the weeks. I am leaving for Las Vegas today. I will be there all weekend. I know the show starts either tonight or tomorrow night. And obviously, anything I get, uh, anything I do spoiling wise will be done on Twitter this weekend because I'm not gonna have time to get to my website and post something. So follow me on Twitter if you wanna if you know there's any public dates or I get any pictures or whatever the case may be this weekend. So follow me on At Reality, Steve, and you'll be able to get any updates regarding filming. Um, that begins on Becca's season this week. So appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody reading. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you again to Amy for coming on. She's She was great. And uh, definitely we'll have her on in the future when we she's not on a media tour and she has to do interview after interview after interview and you're given segments uh, of time during the day to interview her. So we'll have her on uh, most definitely in the future. Uh, all things bad. Anyway. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next week. See ya.